Hello, and welcome to Happy, Funny, Amazing, the podcast where guests tell me their happiest, funniest, and most amazing true stories. Today, our special guest is Norm Foster, one of Canada's most prolific playwrights. And in a fun change of pace, not only did Norm tell me a very funny story, but for the first time on Happy, Funny, Amazing, I decided to conduct an interview to hear more about Norm's life, his craft, and his inspirations. And in doing so, I dug up a few bonus stories from his long and amazing career. Before we begin today's episode, I have a special announcement for you and anyone who's wondered about how to become a guest on Happy, Funny, Amazing. Particularly if you've listened to the podcast and thought that you'd like to give it a try, but you're a little nervous about telling stories. I've even heard people say they don't have any stories to tell, and I just don't buy it. We all have happy, funny, and amazing stories, and I want to hear them. I've created an online, two-hour, fun, and affordable storytelling workshop called the Storytelling Express. The first hour, participants will learn how to mine for their stories and then learn foundational storytelling skills. In the second hour, they'll share their stories while I record them live to be featured on the Happy, Funny, Amazing podcast as part of the Storytelling Express series. The first round of workshops are happening on June 27th and July 5th. You can go to my website, happyfunnyamazing.com to register or find out more information. You just have to look on the workshop page. Okay, back to Norm Foster. I'm so happy and honored to announce that the Foster Festival, the theater festival that celebrates his work, is bringing Happy, Funny, Amazing live to the Manville Theater in St. Catharines on August 15th at 2 p.m., It's part of a fundraiser for the festival's Local Hero Program, a foster festival initiative that strives to bring live arts to everyone by providing accessibility for those who might otherwise not be able to attend due to social or economic barriers. Links to more information about the Storytelling Express workshops or the Happy, Funny, Amazing Live fundraiser as part of the Foster Festival are in the show notes. Now for a story and an interview from Norm Foster. Hello, Norm. Thank you so much for coming on Happy, Funny, Amazing. It's so nice to see you today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I am very excited to hear your story. And so I'm going to start by asking you, is the story you're going to tell me today happy, funny, or amazing? I think it's funny. The story I have is a a performance I did about maybe 10, 12 years ago at the Sudbury Theatre Centre, we were doing Waiting for Godot. Oh, okay. Which since now does pronounced Waiting for Godot. I didn't know that because I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, an intellectual, so I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, Waiting for Godot is a, a absurdist play. It's a, it's about two guys who are literally waiting for a, a fellow named Godot and they're, they're in a, they're in a, 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 under a tree, sitting under a tree. Yeah. And I played, I played Vladimir mm-hmm. and um, a friend of mine, Billy Vickers played, uh, I think his name was Pazzo, I think. And of course I knew nothing about waiting for Godot. And I, and I really didn't know throughout the play what I was saying in the dialogue. I, I knew the dialogue, but I didn't know why am I saying this? But uh, So anyway, we're, and I don't think much of the audience knew what I was saying either. <laughs> so about halfway through the show, I, I have a, a little speech and I'm standing right down front stage, right, right down front. And the audience is the, the front row of the audience is right, right at my feet. And I have a line where I say, I have been better entertained. 
And a woman sitting right at my feet looked up at me and she said, you're telling me. <laughs> I, 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 I broke up I, in the middle of the show. I just, well, you know, I, what do you do? You just shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, I agree. And I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying, but it was uh, but it was a great experience because I'd never been invited to do a, a show like Waited for Godot. And uh, I thought, why are they asking me? I thought, well, I did it. We had fun, but I really don't know what I said half the time. Oh so my that was God. my, yeah, yeah. Well, I first have to say, Norm, I say waiting for Godot. Okay, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna wager a guess that most of my audience is going to be surprised that yeah. the story that is pronounced Godot. Yeah. I yeah, might even I ask people to email me and tell me. You should, yeah. So, oh, geez. I have a few follow-up questions, Norm, because I'm going to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I know yep. you as a playwright, obviously, yeah. but I don't know that I knew that you were an actor as well. So can you yeah. tell me what came first? I'm just, can you unpack that a little bit for me? Like, Absolutely. Me the, of that. the acting actually came first. I was... Uh, in 1979, I moved to Fredericton, uh, New Brunswick. At a, I worked in radio, did a morning show in Fredericton. And the fellow who did the sports with me on the morning show, uh, getting Peter Spurway, his mother ran the local community theater group, uh, Theater Fredericton. And uh, he said, I'm going to audition for this play called Harvey. And he said, why don't you come along? And I said, no, nah, I don't think about theater. I've never, never seen a play. I don't No, You go ahead. He said, well, come on along for moral support anyway. So I went with him. And I auditioned and I got the part of Elwood P. Dowd. I got the lead role. Wow. And I thought, well, this is great, but what do I do now? I don't know anything about theater. So uh, the director, I forget his name, really he's a professor at the University of New Brunswick. And he was wonderful. And I thought, as I did this show, I thought, you know, maybe I can write one of these things. Because I hadn't, I hadn't really written before, but I, I'd written little bits for the radio show, little one-minute skits for the radio show. I thought, I'm going to try to write one of these things. So I wrote one and they they did it. And then uh, I wrote another one and they, and they did it. And then the, the man who ran the professional theater group in Fredericton, Malcolm Black, Theater New Brunswick, he uh, said, the next time you write a play, let me see it first. So I wrote a play called Sinners, which was a, a like a sex farce. <laughs> and uh, he said, and I, I showed it to him, he said, can you come into my office and read this play to me? I said, what do you mean? He said, read the play to me. I said, you mean all the parts? He said, yeah. I think Malcolm was testing me. I don't know. Uh, Malcolm was that kind of guy. So (laughs) I went in, I sat opposite him, and I read the whole play, all the characters. And when I was finished, he said, okay, I'm going to do it next year. And they did the the show next season. And after that, they did a play of mine called The Melville Boys, which was really became my, my, I guess, my signature play. and really got my, my foot in the door. And that went from there. So I did start as an actor, but I got away from acting. And then later on in, in, in the career, maybe about half a, you know, maybe about 15 years ago, I started acting again. And I acted in, in a couple of my plays. And I've been acting on and off ever since. What is um, your favorite role to play that you've written? Jonas and Barry in the home. I played Jonas, uh, who's a retired thespian, an actor. He's not like me at all. I don't think he's like me at all. He's kind of pompous and he, he knows everything. And uh, so I was a lot of fun to play to play him uh, opposite my friend uh, David Nairn played Barry. We had a ball during that show. Yeah. How many plays have you written now? It's around 75. Holy. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I know it's a lot. Well, you know, it's something I love to do. And when the pandemic was on, 
I wrote eight plays oh in the God. three years that the, the pandemic was was running rampant because I had nothing else to do. I wasn't working in radio anymore. I was in, in theater totally, and uh, there wasn't much going on in theater, so I just sat at home and I wrote eight plays. They're just they're still being done, so that's that worked out really well for me. Can you just tell me, like, as somebody who I mean, I I write solo shows and screenwriting, yeah. but I'm so curious, like, to be so prolific. How do you, well, give me an example of you getting an, an idea for a play. Like okay. what, give me something that sparks you. Music. If I hear a song and it's not necessarily the, the lyrics of the song, but the mood that it sets. I get the, the, the mood of a play before I get the idea for the play. If it's romantic, if it's serious, or if it's outright comedy. But the first idea I get is usually the mood of the play. And it's usually, it's usually romantic. I'll say that again. It goes from there. And then I just sit down and I, and I get a beginning point where this play is going to start, what it's going to be about. And then I get an ending point and I write towards the ending. And I let my characters take me to the end of the play. I, sometimes I don't know where it's going to go, how I'm going to get there. I let the characters do that for me. And, and I know it sounds silly, but I, I really do let my characters write it for me. And I, I sit at my computer and I just write. I, I do laugh when I write my plays too. <laughs> I, I laugh at what I've written. Sometimes I'm surprised. Oh, that's funny. That's really funny. I said, well, I'll leave that in. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a process. I, I love writing a play. Uh, it's fun for me. It's exciting, especially when things really work out. When I, when I hit on the good uh, line or, or a good plot point, it's fun and exciting for me. And then I get to the end and I think, well, I think that's the end. And uh, then I, I stop. That's it. Yeah. Do you have a story of a moment when you weren't sure how something was going to end and then you figured oh, it out? Yeah, I, I, I've written I've written plays, one or two plays where I got to the end and I thought, oh, that's not how that should end. It can't end there, but it's time to end it, time to wrap this up. I've had enough story. And so I, I go back and I and I what I do before I start, by the way, every time I sit down to write a play, I read what I've written to that point. Sometimes I get to the end and I think, no, that's not what I planned because the characters have taken the, the play in a different direction and it's not going to end the way I thought it would end. So I either, I, I, I change my direction or I just stop and I think I'll go back and change the thing here and there and work towards the ending I had originally planned. But no, I have written endings and, said, and got into even a workshop. And I thought, no, that's not the way it should end. And then I just rewrite the ending that on, on the spot. While you're while you're watching it, so sitting watching the yeah, actors, while I'm watching, just... I say, okay, this this isn't working. I say to the actors, take the rest of the day off, and I'll go and I'll come back tomorrow with a new ending. So that's that's happened a couple of times. Yeah, I always have to have a workshop. This is when the actors sit around and I hear the play read for the first time, mm -hmm. and then I I hear the characters and I hear the progression of the story and I hear what's right or what's wrong with the story. It usually lasts about a week, and then I go away and I I do what I call the the rehearsal draft. The script they're going to use in rehearsals, and I write that. And then after the play is done, I've seen it in front of an audience, I'll do my final draft, which is I, I do little tweaks here and there after I see how the audience reacts. And then that'll be the final draft that I, I do. You know, I got a, I got a little workshop story for you. Oh, <laughs> this is a, a bad story. Um, we <laughs> Maybe did an a amazing workshop. story. We'll call it an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did a workshop of uh, the Melville Boys. The first time uh, when I wrote the Melville Boys and Malcolm Black was the director and he said, we got a workshop this play. I didn't know what a workshop was. So, okay, great. So uh, we got a workshop. And we got four actors. I won't mention their names. We got four actors and we're sitting there we're reading the play. And then Malcolm says, let's get it on its feet, meaning let's get up and we're walking through it. And the man who was playing Lee, 
in the Melville Boys. Mm-hmm. It was about halfway through the script. He just stops and he says, this is crap. And I was new to this. I was, I was, I was mortified. And Malcolm says, what's crap? The, the line you just said? He said, he said, no, 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 no. The whole play is crap. Oh, <laughs> I, no. I was beside myself. I was crushed. And Malcolm sort of took a, took this actor aside and admonished him for doing this. And, and we came back and we finished the workshop. And then I wrote the play as a big success in, in New Brunswick. And then it went, it, it had a, it had a, uh, it had legs after the, the opening uh, production. It was still being done today. It's been, it was done for years. But well, two years later, the actor who said it was crap did the show in Muskoka, playing the same part. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you feel now? How do you like it now? <laughs> did he know you were sitting in the audience? Yes, I was sitting, I was sitting right at, at a desk uh, 10 feet away from him. <laughs> yeah, I know. But sometimes you get, sometimes you get that with, uh, I've been lucky, but a few actors who think, yeah, okay, I don't want to work with this guy anymore. So we'll <laughs> hire somebody else. I, I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, really. Fair. Yeah. Did you yeah. go to that opening? You should have gone to that opening and sat in the front row. I should have. Okay. I should have. No, I didn't. I didn't go. That would have been a good idea. Yeah. Oh, boy. Do you have a play that moves you the most when you see I, I think I do. When, when I see a play of mine called... Um, Ethan Claymore's Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's about a brother, two brothers. It talks about how they were as kids and how they are growing up now. And I, I never had a brother, and I always wanted to have a brother. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a play about these two brothers that really don't get along, and, and it has a happy ending. For it. It's a Christmas play. Gotta have the happy ending. And I see that play. There are parts of that play, and I, I get emotional and I watch it. Yeah, if I can move myself, you know, I figure, well, you know, doing something right. <laughs> Do you have any plays that are done now that if you were to redo them, you would change? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've talked to, I was talking to, we did a show last week in Morrisburg, a brand new show called Moving In. I was talking to a, 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 the director about that. Did you have any plays that you'd rather not have done anymore? And I said, yes, I do. But I don't want to mention them because some people might actually like these plays yeah. and they'd be insulted if I said, I don't like them anymore. But there are a couple I have that, in fact, if somebody asks me to send them these two particular, there are two of them, two particular plays. Well, I'll tell one of them. One of them is called Windfall. I don't want that ever, ever to be done again. And <laughs> that premiered at Theater Plus in Toronto years ago. And I just think it's, it's very weak. And uh, so I just I just won't send them the play. I'll say, you know, do something else. I also worry that some of the plays that I still think are good plays, but I haven't read them in a long time. I worry that maybe they're dated now. And right. I, I don't know that things I wrote 20 years ago are, are still relevant today. But I, I'm too lazy to go back and read all my plays again, you know. So I, I just let them go. <laughs> yeah. But I, 75 I have, I plays, that's a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Is there anything that's changed about the way you write? from say 20 yes. years ago to now so what's different yes it's changed a lot when i first started i would uh i'd make notes in a notepad say but act one scene one what's going to happen in this scene with act one scene two what's going to happen in this scene little bits of dialogue and stuff and i really i mapped it out uh, the whole play beginning to end and now uh, I, i've become a lot more confident in in what i can do and I just start, as I say, with a beginning point and an ending point, and I just write towards the ending, and I'm quite confident that it's, it's going to work out all right. Actually, it's more fun for me that way instead of follow, following like a, 
a diagram of where to go next. And and when, when I first started, I, I would write as many pages as I, as I could per day, like 10, 12 pages. That's a lot for a playwright, I think, for a playwright to write. But now I construct each bit more. So I write maybe two or three pages a day, but they're more constructed, more well thought out, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, they're built. Now I say I build a play. I don't write a play. I, I build it up. I construct it. So it's a lot of difference from when I started this. How many years ago was that? 1983. When did I? That a, that's a long time. Is that 50 years? Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Boy. Yeah. I, so I feel like I know you because of your your place. Like, I think everybody feels like they know you because they've gone to see your work so much. Like, you're so much part of the Canadian zeitgeist. What what would you tell people about you that might surprise them? Because I don't know you, <laughs> but I feel like I do. <laughs> so what would surprise people about Norm Foster that... Oh, boy. I, I think it's that I'm not really... Uh, I, I don't consider myself a theater person. I still consider myself to be on, on the fringes of theater. Like I, I stick my foot in and write a play and then I pull back out again. Theater doesn't doesn't run my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the people I meet, the actors I meet, the directors. I love the people I work with. I have really good friends in the theater, but I'm not what you would call a theater person, I guess. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't live and breathe theater. I live right. and breathe the plays that I write and then they go off and I say, well, bye. Hope you have a good good run. I don't I don't follow my plays around. I know other playwrights who go to every production they have wherever they're being done. I don't do that because I'm afraid that I'm going to see. I'm afraid that it won't be done right, or I, I just I'll, I'll be surprised. So I I just usually see the plays the first time they're done when I'm in in rehearsals and stuff, and then I don't see them after that. So, but you have this festival now, the Norm Foster Festival. Oh yeah, festival. yeah. Uh, that's so funny because the only other playwright I think in Canada that has a festival is, is Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> that hack. <laughs> that hack. <laughs> oh no, Shaw. There's a Shaw Festival. I oh, stand right. corrected. Right. I stand corrected. Yeah. Probably another yeah. one that, that I'm not aware of, but that's so funny <laughs> that you identify as, you know, not necessarily, you know, deep into the theater as one of the yeah. three playwrights that have a festival in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that is funny. Uh, yeah, the festival in, in since St. Catharines, it started by a, a brilliant woman named Emily Oriel. She's a real go-getter. And when she wanted to get something done, she'll get it done. And she approached me uh, maybe 10, 12 years ago. She said, I want to do a, a festival of your plays. And I said, well, okay, go to it. And if it works out, let me know. And so she, <laughs> lo and behold, she started this festival. And I said, well, you did it. And uh, we made an agreement that I would, you know, they would premiere my my new plays. And Emily's, uh, like I say, she's just, she, she she comes up with these ideas and she runs the festival herself. And she's she's really built it up from nothing. And she does, does a great job. I, I call her my boss. She's uh, had so much admiration for Emily Ariel. She's terrific. And she she's really built something quite wonderful. Yes, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm surprised sometimes when I read the, Press releases about wow, we're doing that. That's pretty good. She's pretty good. <laughs> and I, I keep telling Emily, I said, you know, Emily, I really should get in touch with you more often because I learned so much from you. <laughs> but you know, she does a great job. She's always on the go for the festival. She's terrific. I love that she's done that, and I'm I'm so happy that we have that festival. I mean, yeah, so yeah. prolific. It's so wonderful to have a place where people can go experience your work. 
Yeah, it's, it's quite flattering. It really is. So, Norm, can you tell me what you consider some of your favorite or best plays? I have certain plays that I've that are that I think. Here, here's a, an example: The Melville Boys is the play that I'm known for the most. But I've written at least ten plays that are better than The Melville Boys. I yeah. don't think people know that, but you know, because The Melville Boys written like it was the third play I wrote in my career, and that I've. I've learned a lot since the Melville Boys. I've written a, a play called On a First Name Basis, which is a two-hander, which I think is my my smartest play. I think it's a it's a very smart play. Jonas and Barry in the Home, I think, is my funniest play. Um, we talk about Ethan Claymore. I think that's my sweetest play. So there there are plays like that that I have affections for 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 different reasons. Do you have, so this is something that struck me and I'll start wrapping it up. I'm just so curious as somebody who writes comedy, it's just such a pleasure for me to get to talk to you. Do you, so you talked about sort of funniest, your smartest, um, sweetest. Is there a sad Norm Foster play? Like, is there one that you consider? (laughs) You know, that's, boy, here's something, here's something that you asked earlier, what people don't know about me. I'm very, I can get very sad really easily. Mm-hmm. I can get sad, romantic sad. I can just, I can get in a mood where I think, oh, that's so sad. I, 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 I tear up watching television shows. Come on. You know, who does that? So, <laughs> is there a sad non-foster boy? I don't really think there is. I, I think I would, I would feel a little out of my element to write a strictly serious play. Mm-hmm. I know I could do it, but I, I don't know if I would, if I'd have as much fun writing a play like that as I do writing what I what I ordinarily do. So no, I would. I keep telling myself, you know, you write a drama sometimes. Come on, be Tennessee Williams. But, uh, <laughs> but then, I, then I get an idea. Oh, let's be a sweet comedy. Let's do that. <laughs> so and no, we I, I, love you for it. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, I think audiences. I know, especially right now. I think this is what people want it's what i want anyway yeah that's nice i hope so yeah at the foster festival they they came up with a a catchphrase humor with heart and i think that's nice i think that describes the plays that's not my description but i think that is a good description of my plays because they they're always there's always something that's sort of heartfelt throughout the plays but as much comedy as there might be in the play there's always a heartfelt moment or two in it too that stops down the play stops down and we, we get a little sentimental so yeah I like doing that. I love that humor with heart. What yeah. a legacy. That yeah, I, I like it too. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any advice for new playwrights? It feels hard. Uh, maybe it's not, but it feels like a difficult. No. <laughs> I don't mean the writing <laughs> process. I mean, breaking into no. Canadian theater as a playwright feels like a hard thing to do. I don't know. I, I think it might. I mean, when I started, I, I was only one of a few uh, Canadian playwrights that I knew of, and and there are a lot more now. A lot more playwrights who write comedies too. Um, a good friend of mine, Kristen De Silva, is a is a great comedy writer, and uh, Mark Crawford's another comedy writer that I know of. And uh, I think the, the best thing to do is is to uh, first of all have faith in yourself. Have you know trust yourself. And get your scripts into as many hands as you can. Artistic directors, I think most artistic directors will read new plays. That they're always looking for the, for the next, you know, uh, Norm Foster or the next whoever it is. And uh, Norm Foster, it's the next Norm yeah. Foster. Everyone's looking for that. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think, I think it's easier now than it was when I started because they're looking for Canadian writers. I really think they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know, like I, I know, like I say, Kristen, Mark, and, and people who have just started out, and they're they're finding it maybe a little easier than I did to get their foot in the door. I think it's I think it's good. It's a good, it's a good time to it's ripe. They're they're looking for playwrights, so get out and do it. I think that's the best advice. Just get out and do it. Do it. That's right. Don't just say, oh, I should write a play. No, don't say you should. Write it and then yeah, get it done. Yeah. And have you always been funny? Are you funny in your life? No, I'm not funny in my life. I, I don't think I am. I think I write funny. That's my strength. I, I write funny. All my friends are a lot funnier than I am. <laughs> a lot funnier than I am. I hang out with funny people. That, that's that's the key. <laughs> Well, on that note, I think I'm going to wrap up this interview. It has been a real pleasure and a genuine honor to get to meet you and to have this conversation. And thank you for sharing. Do you have any, oh, just curious, do you have any acting coming up that we could go see? Anything new to to come see you perform in? No, I I don't have anything coming up at all. I'm writing, writing to do. I started a new play. I I want to get to writing. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of getting away from the acting but I think I, I'm more successful as a writer now than I am as an actor. So I had no plans to, to do anything right away. No. Okay. Can you give me a sneak peek of the name of your new play that you're writing? Do you know it yet? And you don't have to if it's a secret, but... No, I don't. I, okay. But I know the plot. You know, sometimes when I'm thinking of a title, a title I have to come to me right away, immediately, or I or I don't have a title until I finish the play. Then, oh, that, the title for me is one of the hardest things to come by. What, what I do when I'm thinking of a title is I think of people who are going to see a play. And I say, you know, well, we went to see the Melville Boys last night. Like, that's a good title. Or well, we went to see uh, Kushog Lake. And I say, well, that's not, that's not a good title. So I'll, I'll base, I'll base my, the, the, the quality of the title on what people, what I think people will say when, they, when they're describing going to that play. So that's it's very important to me. So last question, not what's your favorite play, what's mm-hmm. your favorite title? Which one do you think? Oh, wow. You know what my favorite title is right now? I wrote a play, just finished a play called Wit's End. And Wit is W-H-I-T apostrophe S, man called Wit, Wit's End. Damn, that's clever. So I'm going (laughs) to, that's what the play is called. That is very clever. And it's about but his, his, his grown children think he's dying and he's not dying and they won't believe him. So that's why it's called Wit's End. Well, I love that. Norm, thank you so much for coming on Happy Funny Amazing. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you for your very funny story. It was a real pleasure talking to you today. It was my pleasure. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. This summer, as part of the Foster Festival, you can catch Outlaw by Norm Foster from June 21st to July 2nd at Balls Falls Historic Barn in Lincoln, Ontario. It's a unique site-specific theater experience for Foster Festival audiences. And later in the summer, you can catch its companion piece, Jenny's House of Joy from August 9th to 20th at the Mandeville Theater Ridley College in St. Catharines, Ontario. You can go to fosterfestival.com for tickets. If you're enjoying Happy, Funny, Amazing, please consider subscribing, liking, or reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts or sharing the podcast with your friends on social media. This will really help me keep growing. Thank you again to John Bartman for the music, to Norm Foster for the story and for the interview, and to you for listening. I hope you have a happy, funny, and amazing week. Bye.